It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, streaming, classic films as well. Oh, in theaters. It's true. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Hill Film Rage crew. <laughs> Hillbilly Film Rage crew. Yeah, Billy. Which also includes Jim. Hey there, Jim. Hey, hey, Bryce. And I'm currently staring at at Murray, and then I'm looking at an Army of Darkness poster, and man, do you bear a striking resemblance to Bruce Campbell. Doesn't he? I tell ya. I'll take that every day. That's so right. with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. I just think that Murray's got a nicer chest than Bruce Campbell, but that's me. I have been losing weight, so yeah, I'm more, yeah. Buff, more buff than I used You're pretty to. fucking sexy. All I need is a chainsaw. Yep. Uh, well, thanks to all who've been supporting us. If you love our independent podcast, please support us and the growing Film Rage community by joining our membership at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Film Rage YYC. All members get special episodes and content only for members. And all members that sign up will get a special limited edition Film Rage merch item. If you cannot commit to a membership, you can still buy us a movie rental and dare us to see a terrible movie. Shout outs to all our listeners all over the world. We had the biggest international month this last month on film rage and i'm just going to tell you just a few of the countries that got to hear our sweet sweet voices uh it's the usual cronies like canada the canada cronies uh us uk germany italy australia ireland japan nicaragua netherlands norway russia and uruguay so thanks all you fabulous countries what about ecuador Ecuador wasn't this month. What? Didn't you say, didn't you I say Moldova I love too? Yeah, Moldova, but that wasn't this month. I thought I Moldova was actually a fake country. I wanted Moldova. That was where they went to at the end of Red. I want to live in Ecuador. <laughs> I want to live in Moldova now. The average oh, like temperature in Ecuador is like 23 degrees, 12 months. Well, that's not true. In in uh, Cuenca, which is Only up in the Cuenca. mountains. Only Cuenca. Only Cuenca. Yeah, they're in this, this weird... Um, uh, weather bubble. Powder and bubble, yep. Yeah, and it's like 23 degrees like every single day. So, uh, Ecuadorians, if you're listening. Yes, listen to us. We, you know. Then we build a home for Bryce. Sometimes, He'll be there yeah, soon. If you get, if Sometimes you spare, we're entertaining. If you get some spare rooms, let us know. We'll come down to Yeah, we'll crash. And other times we're not, you know, you like now. Right. Exactly. Thanks to the geography lesson. I love Ecuador. Movies are back at Canyon Meadows Cinemas. We are open for your viewing pleasure with great new films opening weekly. All health-regulated protocols are in effect for a safe and enjoyable experience. And don't forget, we should be your first choice for your next birthday party or special event. Can't make it to the cinema? We got you covered. Order concessions from our online store, and you can either choose curbside pickup or get them delivered via Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, or DoorDash. For more details, go to canyonmeadowscinemas.ca. Here at CMC, we would like to thank you for your continued support, and we are looking forward to seeing you at the movies. Oh, no streaming no this streaming. week. But Jim was no, still dancing. There will be no dancing here, my friends. We are meddling out. Too much in the theaters. No time for stream. Did we not stream anything? Nuh-uh. No, nothing, honey. Not officially. Well, I streamed like a shit ton of stuff because it was Halloween. But nothing that we're going to talk about. Exactly. Huh. Huh. 
I watched a uh, Grinch special, like a Halloween special that was like oh, a yeah. prequel to the Grinch. That's, that's what? Still yeah. I, did you know okay, that now existed? I wanna, now I want to see it's this. Terrible. Oh, okay. Sure it is. <laughs> well, you so can dare bad. me to see this. Uh, the Grinch stole Christmas. He didn't steal Halloween. Yeah, he didn't no. steal Halloween. That sounds like a Grinchy time of year. Yeah. But anyways. That was that that pumpkin dude stole Christmas, didn't he? Good old pumpkin. Yeah, Pumpkinhead. Pump- oh, that Jack. What's his name? Pumpkin oh, head. the Pumpkin King. Yeah. Then he mm. tried to steal Christmas. He did, but he didn't no. steal Halloween. So oh. antlers. We yeah. saw antlers. We've been waiting for antlers. Yeah. I didn't know even know antlers was out. And then it was out. I was like, oh, cool. We get to go see antlers. We did. And, uh, yeah. So antlers is a story of a boy named Lucas who has some tremendous responsibilities thrust upon him as he has to take care of both his father and his brother after they have been attacked by something. A windigo, maybe and are now demonstrating some odd behavior. It is a dark film in both tone and in its actual lighting. Um, It is gritty and violent and very well shot. Jeremy Thomas is very good as Lucas as he struggles with the tasks he must perform to keep his father satiated. That is just a, uh, sorry, this is just a really well-made horror movie. Um, From the special effects to the music, to the actors, to the pacing, the film really doesn't miss a beat. Um, I'm keeping it short and sweet. I really like this movie. Antlers was Mondo. Okay. Well. Hey, Murray, you want to go next, Mur? Uh, Yeah, I'm quite surprised by that, actually. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by it, too, actually. All right, well, I liked um, it a lot. As, so did I. As Bryce uh, mentioned, uh, most of the credit for the, this film goes to the creepy as hell performance from 15-year-old Gen- Jeremy Thomas. So good. Like mm-hmm. he was like the normal one of the family, and he creeped me out more than his brother and his <laughs> yeah. dad. Just to, his, his brother was pretty. Just creepy. his eyes staring at you was like, oh my god, this is like a creepy little kid who's gonna like grow up to be Jeffrey Dahmer or something. But oh yeah, he's definitely yeah. crying. Uh, he was a true CLF, uh, though I would uh, say more of a creepy little bleep. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Russell also put in a strong performance and gets a chance to kick some ass. CLF, cute little fella. Yeah. Though in this case, it's creepy. Uh, this film was satisfyingly gross. There's plenty of black bile, crunching bones, half-chewed bodies. Yeah. Antlers was a well-crafted thriller with some excellent scares and a bone-chilling ending. It was also the first horror film that actually made me jump in seems like years. Yeah. So well done. You were jumping. Uh, It was a chillingly dark fairy tale. And I was going to give it a minute, but actually I'm going to upgrade it to Mondo. It was so good. It was really good. And uh, being a Scandinavian origin... The Windigo or Vendigum is actually part of the, le- the legends. Ah, so there you go. Very interesting. Go. And what say you, Jim? Well, first off, happy Halloween, everybody. Ooh. I know we're a little bit late, but uh, we got to see this for the weekend of Halloween, so we, we, we couldn't have been happier. Uh, first off, CLFs everywhere. And no, they're creepy little fuckers. Cute little fellas. No, creepy little fuckers. We have been talking about this film for quite a long time. Uh, maybe not on our podcast, but outside of the podcast and i thought it would never come out and it's about time the windigo or vindigo as as murray pronounced uh got his due yes our aboriginal friends have some great stories to tell and this is no exception this has so much good in it with the gore and the creep 
level of fucked upness, especially traumatizing a 12 year old in the movie he's 12, um, to some messy levels. Not since interview with a vampire or perhaps Brightburn have I been as impressed by a CLF um, for their ability to dominate every scene they are in. This kid, Jeremy T. Thomas, who plays Lucas, was motherfucking brilliant. I love the pacing of this film. And Jeremy does such a good job captivating us through some amazing Canadian wilderness. Plus, the story is very well put together. By the time we get to party time, as I like to call it, in the shed, I'm totally engulfed in this film. That scene and every expected jump scare delivering on me, as always, gave me so much pleasure. And then the ending happened. I had some huge problems with the ending, and this actually destroyed the movie for me, not down to a rage. Um, and the and the the very end was a little too predictable based on how they rolled it out. It took um, oh, this should have been a mondo to a very high meh for me. The female lead taking her brother to the mine when he's practically dead slash meth lab made absolutely no sense. Like, what did she think she was going to do by herself to battle against a Vindigo and a creepy little fucker and another creepy little fucker who's demented uh, when her brother's sitting there dying? Oh, yeah, that's right. Let me think about this. My brother's dying. He's got he's been speared by a antler, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quote unquote. But nah, he doesn't need to go to the hospital. I'll take him with me 20 million miles out of town to a motherfucking mine so that he can potentially bleed out in my car. Mm. Plus, do I need to remind you about the when we get to see the CGI Windigo? Eh, yeah, it was, all right. it was not good. So <laughs> it it, it this me. was this was a really good idea. I just don't like the pieces that they put together at the end. There's no way she would have been able to take down this Windigo. He'd been oh, eating way too many people by that time. They he only he only weakens when he eats somebody, and he wasn't eating anybody when she got there. So. Yeah, no, I had problems with her and him, the fight at the end. I had problems with um, the the fact that we got to see the monster as much as we did at the end because it wasn't really great. And the, the absolute ending just didn't make any sense considering that the, supposedly I the liked, creature I actually... The, I liked the creature. I thought it looked good. No, it, it, it looked better when you only saw its antlers. It, like the most, name of the movie was Antlers. Like most movies are horror movies. They show the creature too much or too soon. Yep. I don't think they did either. I keep going though. back to Jaws, where they didn't show the shark till the end of the movie, and it was scary as hell right until the very end. That's right. And then when you saw how bad the effects were, the you were scared was, of like, the effects. Yeah, no wonder they didn't show it. That was 1977, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah but there yeah. was, yeah. Uh, you know what? I fully like this movie. I did not love it. Yep. I the, the ending to me kind of ruined the whole perfectness of this yeah, film. Yeah, that's about the only thing that would have maybe I was going to give it a man because of the ending, but I still like the way it turned yeah, out. No, I I don't know. I didn't like the ending because they set up a sequel, and I don't think it needed a sequel. Uh, always need a sequel in a horror movie. No, man, they don't. They just you have need, to keep need, coming up with creative new you ideas. Don't to, you don't need, well, I shouldn't say you always need a sequel. You always need to tease a sequel. Doesn't mean there's going to be one. It, doesn't, it didn't make sense. The, the story, that, the yarn that we were spun... By our Canadian Aboriginal actor. I want to see more Jesse Plemons in this role. Mr. Graham yeah. Green. So so do I. But I want why not just see him in another role? No, I want to see him in this role. He plays role. completely different. No, 
No. I like them in this. No. Like, I'm starting to like Jesse Plemons more and more every time I see I'm him. You sure to see him a lot these days. He's 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 popping up everywhere. He's in like yeah, everything. I, I yeah. think I I would agree with you. I think for a while there, I was like, eh, why are people putting this? And now I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> he's good. I'll, he really is. I'll buy that. I I almost hate to hate to mention it, but did you see Game Night? Yes. Yeah. He was pretty good in that. Yeah, yeah he was good in that too. <laughs> Huh. Looks like, who knows, maybe we'll be talking about him shortly. Maybe. It's not out of the room. So we didn't fully get a three-way on this, yeah. but, no. you know. Everybody liked it, though. It's worth yeah. checking out. It's worth, I would definitely and, suggest you see and, this. And, yeah, if you have to see a movie on Halloween, because yep. for some reason Halloween Kills came out like the week before. Uh, they wanted like, more money. I guess so, but it's like, yeah, you Halloween weekend, you want to go see a scary movie. Yep. And this, this fit the bill. It was good. Mm-hmm. I did like it. Good. A lot. I just not don't love it. All right. What, what else, else did, did we, we see? see? Well, before our 12-hour Halloween fest, which I'm sad to say none of us actually went all the way through, <laughs> uh, we had a, we're old. a little matinee last night in Soho. Mm. Uh, mm. And claim director Edgar Wright's uh, Edgar Wright. psychological thriller. I like Edgar Thomas Wright. and McKenzie from Jojo Rabbit plays Eloise. An aspiring fashion designer from a small town that moved to London to attend a fashion school. When she moves into a new loft, she's able to mysteriously enter the 1960s where she encounters dazzling wannabe singer Sandy. What? Glamour is not all it appears, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker and more violent. Mm. The fabulous Anna Taylor-Joy stars as Sandy... Takes us on a journey through her dreams and nightmares of 60s London. Rounding out this amazing cast is the late Diana Rigg in her last film and Hollywood bad guy Terrence Stamp, mm-hmm. also known as General Zod. Yes. Uh, this film was an impressive experience in sound and vision. The yes. amazing soundtrack, colorful outfits, and trendy vibe had me wishing I was around in the 60s. Yeah. Or at least having all that crazy wild sex. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Last Night in Soho was kind of a messy and occasionally frustrating film, but it was That's thrilling nonetheless. I think I'll use that word. I was absolutely mesmerized by Mackenzie's transformation from a simple, naive girl to a decadent, dark, and twisted soul like Sandy. I wasn't entirely happy with the ending, but I still found this to be a groovy 60s vibe mondo. Wow. What? And I still consider Edgar Wright to be undoubted. Oh, there you go. All right. You want me to go or you want to go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, Last Night in Soho was super enjoyable for the first two thirds. The character development, the music, the acting, and the set design was intoxicating. But then in the last third of the movie, I became frustrated as its promising beginning gave way to an infuriating and at times directionless last third. I was not even sure what I was supposed to take from this when all was said and done. It is a slick, well-acted film solidifying Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomasin McKenzie as leading actors that morphs into a mess at the end. I guess that makes it meh, as the first two thirds were so good. But alas, it's meh. (laughs) 
I kind of feel dirty, actually. Um, or at least like a dirty old man, because Anna Taylor-Joy in this is super hot. And uh, I'm gross. That's all I want to say. Um, Terrence Stamp, as usual, is amazing. The whole atmospheric beauty of this film is mesmerizing. Through most of this film, and as our lead actress, uh, Thomasine McKenzie does a great job moving in and out of dream state as we travel forward and backwards to the 60s to present. I truly was enjoying this horror action ghost story for pretty much 9-13th of the film. But at one point in the film, the bottom really drops out and takes a desperate spiral of ooh for the last four and 13th of the film. Mm. All the great scenery and acting cannot save this ending of this script. And the very ending was very disappointing. It was enjoyably visually yep. and musically. Yep. But overall for me, it was a meh. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad Murray liked this. I, I after watching it. this, I did not think he would love this film. Of course I would. I'm kind of happy that you loved it I've so much. I've been obsessed with the '60s since I was like 12. I've like, been in, I've been in love. Like every TV with show free that love. comes about '60s, I love it. I mean, I love the whole era. Hmm. So, what do you like much about the '60s? Is it the music? Is it the hair? Is it the well, miniskirts? Like I, Is it the a number of TV shows and some movies about it? And it's just up and I mean, yeah, it was a turbulent time, but it was also a simple time, like. One show that I watched is American Dreams, and it was a simple Catholic family, and it was all about uh, Dick Clark's American Bandstand. And it was, you know, it was like the music was just, it was simple, right? It wasn't, you know. 4-4 four, four beat, and you can dance to That's it. That's right. Uh, and then, yeah, then there had a lot of, you know, the, war, the Vietnam War, and then the protests and stuff. It's just, just a fascinating decade. And I was born in 1971, so. I was born in the 60s. I got to enjoy go. all of it. What, a three-year-old? Well, yeah, as a three-year-old. No, three I, I love the music from the 60s. So, yeah, I was totally into I was still movie. still dreaming of free love and when yeah, I was visually, born. Visually, it's like it was like this movie was just amazing to watch. It was very but visually yeah, I, I will admit, the ending was a little disappointing. I didn't no. like the way it ended, but... No. Yeah. I'm glad you fully loved it. I, I really am excited about that. Excellent. Now, I've only been talking about this for, oh, I don't know. Months? years now it's been when did we first start talking about this last summer oh we were yeah about last summer we found out it was coming out and we've been counting counting down ever since and we've had to restart our countdown a few times because it just never came out yes but it came out finally it finally did it live up to expectations jim well let me tell you the french dispatch by our man wes anderson the French do love their nudity, and yet again, yeah, they, they deliver. It's quite surprising, but too. <laughs> Wes Anderson style. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton does her best Jane Lynch. Timothy Charlemagne does his base, best Jason Schwartzman in absence of Jason himself. And Owen Wilson does his best Owen Wilson. Of all Wes Anderson films, to me, this is the most Wesy Anderson-y of them all. I you're going to say that. What? This film moves so fast, if you blink, you will miss something. Yeah. Also, of all the Wes Anderson films, this is one that I think I'm going to have to go back and see a hundred times, which I'm not 
upset about, to catch every single piece of detail. This film makes Kubrick films for detail look like kindergarten crayon drawings. It is full, which is the only word I can think of to describe it. It is full. This movie is full. Every shot is perfect. Every scene was exquisite. Every line of dialogue was masterfully crafted into a feast for the senses. So many characters and all of them are just wow. I had a smile on my face the entire time this film was playing, even through the credits. Adrian Brody is back, baby. He was incredible, as was Francis, Tilden, Benicio, and the entire cast. Just got to say, this felt a little, as the film rolled through, like I was being transformed back when the first time I saw Royal Tannenbaums, but jacked up to Wes Anderson crack or speed levels. How did he make this painstaking detail of the sets alone would this would have taken years to even create let alone put together murray you want to see what a storyboard looks like this would be a, a doctoral thesis on <laughs> if you're going to want to know what a storyboard looks like yeah, it's what a try and try and imagine how many storyboards made up this film we have been waiting for so long to say this. In my opinion, I hope I'm not gonna be wrong here, but for me, Wes Anderson is now undoubtedly undoubted. Is this and number eight This now? is number eight, hmm. plus two animated features. Every single one has been Mondo oh. for me so far. Yeah. And as predicted, um, Bryce, the only American French film this year worth seeing. <laughs> what Favorite line though, and, and so it's a big French one. There's a lot of lines in it. But my favorite line was, Alter Boys high on the blood of Christ. Yes. <laughs> I laughed for five minutes straight. <laughs> that was good. That was it was good. so good. I'm even laughing now just thinking about it. It was so good. It was. What, right. what say you, Mur? Well, to borrow a line from my favorite movie musical, this film was a spectacular spectacular. <laughs> I had forgotten how much Wes Anderson loves to assemble his huge cast of Hollywood yes. elite. Uh, I found most of the film enjoyable, though some of the narration, especially by Jeffrey Wright, was putting me to sleep with its rapid-fire big vocabulary and monotone delivery. What? Yes. Uh, when I was not able to follow the dialogue, I actually kind of tuned out. Uh, it was enjoyable and funny, Still a man. Too much story. Hmm. Sorry, can't mondo it up. It just well, well you know what? Right. It, it, we it, only it, needed a meh from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I didn't rage. Unless, unless Bryce rages, it's you pretty much know. given that Wes Anderson is now rage. officially undone. I've actually, I've actually, my how I felt about this movie is a little combination of actually everything good that Murray had to say. Uh, as well, as well Everything as, uh, I say is good. as what Jim, me and Jim are <laughs> simpatico basically on this. Um, in fact, I'll probably use some similar phrasing. <gasps> what? The French Dispatch is another film from Wes Anderson. And if, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, stop me if you heard this before, where from frame one, I am smiling and I do not stop until the final credits roll. 
Anderson once again collects an amazing cast, many of them mesmerizing, to act out his unique vision. I am convinced that Wes Anderson will be forever undoubted as pure joy permeates every frame of every one of his films. The French Dispatch is no different, and as Jim say, maybe he's even taken it to another level. His use of color and his set designs are unrivaled, plus the film is just funny. Not many people can do comedy these days, but Wes Anderson can. For all these reasons, the French Dispatch is, of course, Mondo. Well, we don't get a button, Murray. I know. We haven't had a unanimous decision today, people. This is kind of fun. I'm just happy that Wes Anderson is finally where he deserves to be. On the list. On the undoubted list. We should just take off everybody else now. Yes. <laughs> we'll just call it the Wes Anderson list. That would make sense. We So for people who are, who are listening to us for the first time, if you go check out our website, we have created a, um, it's called the lists on our website, and you will see undoubted, doubted, mesmerized, and repulsive. Mm-hmm. and all the rules as to how they apply are on there. But we've been waiting because as much as we think Wes Anderson's made 100 films... He'd only made he'd, seven until this one. Well, well seven live action. Seven live action. When you have 75 actors in your movie, you can only do one every two years. <laughs> I don't know how he affords to pay everybody. Everybody I, must just work on... Um, people are... I guarantee they're lining up to be in Oh, it's movies. like before Woody Allen was a yeah. pedophile. Everybody would pay to be in a Woody yeah. Allen movie because the scripts were so good, right? Yeah. It doesn't get better than Wes Anderson. It just doesn't. No. So you know what this means when we go, I know this is terrible. We're going into our next segment on a super high. Yes. But you know what it means. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. I'm sure you never find a lack of things to rage about, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sweet, sweet rage. There wasn't a lot that we saw this week that actually makes me rage, other than the fact I'm going to bring it up. Mm-hmm. That endings that make films fall off a cliff. In my opinion, this could have been a three Mondo week. It was, yep. the, it was the scripts or maybe the direction that caused... Uh, Two of the films for me to not make it to Mondo. And one of them for me. Yeah. So um, that's my rage this week. I just like, how can somebody take a movie so far into it and then rush the ending? Or not just rush it, but just not put as much thought into it. It's like there's so much logic that went into uh, Antlers. You would think that the ending would be what they focus on. It's You almost have to have this ending in mind when you're creating this story. But, you know, how many times have we seen extra features Right where they talk about yeah, like we 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 hadn't even finished figured out what we we're gonna put. How do you start shooting well, and not know what the fucking well, ending how, is? How many times have they shot like five or six different endings for a movie? Yes, <laughs> it's like trying to figure like, out what it was. Did you not have a script? Like, yeah. Why do you? Why are you shooting more than one ending? I don't understand. Well, and especially when it it takes things. It it took me out of the movie for that one. And same thing with um with last night in Soho. Night it took Soho, me out. It, it took me, me. They took me time. out of the movie. And and I understand, Marie, why you you actually. I'm not criticizing your your rating on it. For no, me, it we just we both it's, loved it. Yeah, but it it's it's one until, of those things. 
it's one of those things that um, it, it just I can't understand how they take themselves out of this amazing thread and then they just put it something in there's like oh yeah let's just throw this in here at the end this will fix everything and it was just like what it was like flipping over your pancake and it's burnt that's my rage get the that, endings right people that never happens to me you never burn your pancake on the one side perfect i forever walk out of the room and forget i, I don't a pancake on. it takes me about three or four to get them right but once, <laughs> once i get it right they're golden brown both sides <laughs> nice i love it Well, my rage this week is Frank D'Angelo. And, <laughs> and I will expand <laughs> on it in our Rage or Dare segment. Oh, you're going to find out, Barry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's all I got. But you will hear more in okay, Rage or so Dare. Okay, so, Philip, if you're, if you're oh, listening, okay. first off, I want to say, Philip, your first offering to us to dare us to see a film, in my opinion, was not a good one. Although it did make re-rage. I think Murray and Bryce both liked it. But this one you delivered on 100%. And then some. <laughs> and then some. And so. That's really all you got. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's, well, you'll find out in a few minutes why he's talking about him. Rage. Subsiding. Pulse. Slowing. Anger. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD, all right? Oh, wow. For Hansel and, Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have the watch, DVD you watch it? Yeah. Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it, somehow. No, it, foreplay. Yeah. Yes. She's, she's chair foreplay. They, I mean, they knocked out of the park, which is why it's my number three. So. Oh! oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it, because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, that's you why I was making it right. It has one. You would have three lines of dialogue. So it's just worth three. Oh. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, I'm a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Anyway, we're not. Phoenix, too. So, no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective ex-detective phillips's dick okay but we don't okay i i know all of those words were english but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them i'm lost I'm not, I'm not flying the races <laughs> on very well for those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 All right, well, this week I'm going to keep it short and sweet. What? You're always sweet. What's the short part? This week's happy moment 
comes courtesy of Carrie Russell. What? Though known mostly as a TV actress, she's had actually quite a remarkable film career. We just recently saw her kick ass in Antlers, and she clearly hasn't lost her spirit. She's been in Dark Skies, Mission Impossible 3, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and actually recently the last Star Wars film. However, it is a lost gem called Waitress from Waitress 2007 that really put her on my radar. Apparently Bryce's too. I yes, really liked it. It was a rom-com. I normally stay away from those types of movies. But it since was it, sweet. it was starring my boy Nathan Fillion, of course, was I had, it? of course I had to see it. Of course. <laughs> Bryce, get it right. I was pleasantly surprised by this film. It's good. Carrie Russell stars as a pregnant, unhappily married waitress, basically married to a douchebag, yep. who meets and falls in love with her gynecologist, or OBGYN, whatever you call him. She uses her talent as a pie baker to deal with her emotions, coming up with some really strange-sounding and amazing desserts. It was original. Supporting cast was stellar. Besides Nathan Fillion, Cheryl Hines... And director Adrian Shelley co-star as her waitress friends. I love Cheryl Hines. Jeremy Sisto plays her right bastard of a husband. He's a role right. he seems to be suited for. He's good. Yep. Uh, even Andy Griffith shows up as a customer who she comes to for advice. Because he's like 100 years old. He knows everything. That's awesome. I love Andy Griffith. Sadly, the film's director, Adrian Shelley, was tragically killed in her apartment shortly after what? the film was yeah. completed. Uh, but this film remains as a tribute to her life and career. It was sweet and charming and heartwarming. It was. All the things I know my fellow ragers hate, although apparently Bryce did like I it. I loved it. I actually liked this movie too. This I didn't love it, but I liked it. made me happy and made me crave pie for weeks. There you go. Who doesn't love pie? That's right. That's all I got. Nice. This is just a little sprinkling of fabulous joy. A little bit of sugar. As we get closer to Vegas. You bet. I don't eat sugar. Well, you should. You can have some saccharin. Natural sugar. I get you it can in have fruit. saccharin. Your problem right there. You can have saccharin. I, ha- I get my sugar from like a nice apple or a strawberry. Yep. Or a blueberry or a raspberry. Please don't list berry. every fucking thing you eat right now. <laughs> Oranges? <laughs> Banana? No. You can stop right now. Okay. Pineapple. So, the undoubted Wes Anderson. Yeah, let's just lead off that. I mean, Wes Anderson is now undoubted. Just make it official because we're now it's on now, the list. It's now official. It's official. Should we just roll that? Should we just actually go back and talk about Wes Anderson for just a f- short minute here? So, and we've already done this before, and I know Murray hasn't seen a lot of these all these movies, so he can't really he can't really say, but. We're going back to his very first movie, which was Bottle Rocket, which was a Mondo. Oh, so good. We saw Rushmore, which is actually my favorite of all his movies, by Loved the way. Loved it. Except I might like this one better. Yeah. Uh, then The Royal Tannenbaums. Oh, so good. Uh, which is also Mondo. Uh, the Life Aquatic, which is with Steve Zizou, they're with Murray's mo- best friend, Bill Mondo. Murray. That's right. Uh, which is a Mondo. Then yeah. he did the Darjeeling Limited, which is a Mondo. Mondo. Uh, then he did uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is an animated feature, which is which like was my, also Mondo. Which is like my favorite animated feature, like ever. Yes, and it's Mondo, movie. but because it's an animated feature, yeah, it doesn't yeah. count towards it his doesn't. count. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which was a Mondo. Mondo. And 
Then he did um, the Grand Budapest Hotel, which Mondo. was a Mondo. Oh, so good. And, and then he did Isle of Dogs, which was animated. But so was it doesn't also count. Mondo. Which was also Mondo. <laughs> and then finally, the French Dispatch. Which was Mondo. Two Mondos and a man. So we're good. There we go. He's so. officially undoubted. But what Wes Anderson didn't know when he made this movie was that he also put four people from our mesmerized list on there. He did. So and are, those are we people, doing this? Yes, we are. So for those who are following along, go to our website, filmrageyyc.com, and look at our mesmerized list, and you will see these names. You will see Francis McDormand. You almost said it right. I know. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Benicio Del Toro, and Willem Dafoe. Wow, those are four mesmerizing actors. They are, but one of them was by far more mesmerizing than the others in I each one of our opinions. absolutely agree. So we're going to write down their name, and if we all come up with the same person, everyone else is gone, unless gone. unless one of them is actually mesmerized for life, and I don't think so. Wanda Sykes yeah. is mesmerized for life from Bryce. Yeah. Uh, Murray put Russell Crowe on right. as for life, and I forget who I put on for life. Does anybody remember? Uh, yeah, it was something. Something somebody. Oh, it was um, uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn, right. Yeah. So those people can never be unvoted off of our list, by the way. There we go. It's now official. And if we ever get a fourth member, they might have their own opportunity to vote as well. Um, so <laughs> Penn's... <What>? Penn's <laughs> I don't know if we get a fifth member, too. Who knows? Um, okay, I'm writing mine down. I've already got... I, I typed mine out. Whoa. Typed it. Yeah. All right. One, two, three, reveal. And we all chose different people again. I chose Tilda Swinton. Jim you chose Benicio chose Del Toro. And You're the only one of the three Mer of us who likes the last two movies. Frances McDormand. Right. She's awesome. <laughs> I almost chose Frances McDormand. The last two movies. But Benicio we Del Toro to. was too good. Uh, uh, Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Swinton. Me and Jim hated them both. And Tilda you loved Swinton. Them. So but, but Tilda awesome. Swinton's still awesome in it. She's always mesmerizing. Yes. But. But uh, that's unfortunate, yeah, and yet sorry. fortunate because yeah, these yeah, are sorry. like we all, if we ever come up with a movie where Frances McDormand and Tilda Swinton are in a movie, just the two of them, this could be the worst hell that we've ever lived through. We'll never. Yeah. Well, Murray will just won't I, won't actually I will, vote. I will. For I will always be objective with my opinion. But I am sorry. Did you guys watch her? Yeah. She was unbelievable she was, in she this was, movie. She did the best Jane Lynch imitation I've ever seen. Oh, I actually thought it was Jane Lynch at the first. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't know Jane Lynch was in this movie. And then apparently it was Tilda Swinton doing Jane Lynch. Whatever. Just did you not catch that from there? Uh, you no, had to have. Oh, yeah. There was a Jane Lynch-esque vibe Oh, to totally. It. There was when she was doing your presentations. Yes. Absolutely. But I just, I, I was... Uh, I was you're, smiling you're speechless already. by this episode. I, I was smiling already, and then Tilda Swinton hit the screen, and I was downright giddy. Was stand up in front of a bunch of people and oh, put things out as a presentation. Genius. But she did it the very well. The other cast did all the other work. Mm -hmm. They did all the hard stuff. Yeah, but they weren't quite as mesmerizing. Uh, they Benicio, weren't as mesmerizing I, as Benicio Del almost, Toro. Yeah, he was what? mesmerizing, but I liked He was brilliant in it. Yeah, he was, he was very, very good, but there was only one that, be honest, that shone above all. I like Bill all. Murray better than all of them. And well, perhaps we should talk about swing. Bill Murray. Why is Bill Murray not on our list? You got me. Why is he not on our list? I don't know. If we never brought him up. Was there a reason? Was something happening? I just assumed he would always know. get vetoed whenever I would no. bring him up. Well, you, but you never have. I think we should 
put our hands in rock, paper, scissors. Is Bill Murray mesmerizing? I say yes. Yes, of course he is. Bill, Bill Murray is mesmerizing. There I'm, we go. He's a, he's a, he can be so honest. now we have to redo this again because Bill Murray was in this movie. Okay. You're so still not going to vote One, for him, two, though. three, Tilda Swinton. Benicia Del Toro. Okay. Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> So everybody, so everybody still. So not only did we not eliminate anybody, but we added we one. Added one. That's right. But so sometimes you can't avoid that. You have to. You have to actually call it out when you see it. Bill yeah, Murray yeah, was yeah. actually fabulous in this movie of too. He was. He's always fabulous. Yeah. Oh my god. And he was in what, like five of those eight movies that Wes Anderson did? Yeah. It's like yeah. He's in well, all of them. So, so. Is, um, so is almost everybody else we're talking about here. So. Tilda Swinton's been in at least a few. Francis McDormand's been in a few. Yeah, she's been. Jason Schwartzman's usually always in his films. Owen Wilson's was, always in yeah. his films. Jason Schwartzman was, was in this. Wasn't he in this? Yeah. He no, was he was. This. He wrote it. He didn't. No, he, he wasn't he was in, in it. it. He Where? Was in it. He was, in a, it, he was in it. It was a bit part, but he yeah, was in it, it for was about a tiny part. two minutes. Wasn't he? Was like, it the same? Was, like was the same as Rob like, Reiner when they just went? No, no. He, I think he might. He had a line. I don't think he had a line. Yeah, no. I remember seeing him. Absolutely. I saw him. Huh. And I like. Tuned out for because he actually he actually did some of the writing on it. Yeah, yeah I saw that. No, I knew he was. So in what it. does that have to do with the price of tea in China? I'm just saying that I thought maybe he spent more time writing and not like why he we didn't have a bigger part in this. It surprised me. Sometimes I spend more time writing than pooping. What? What does that have to do with anything? What's that have to do with the sometimes price of tea in write, China? Sometimes, exactly. sometimes you write too much. <laughs> sometimes. All right. So is that it for our list? I think that's uh, enough for this week. Uh, yeah. Okay, then. Although, did everybody else notice that um, Henry Winkler was in this, too? I, I love did. Henry Winkler. He was right? a big enough part to be mesmerizing, but I, I loved know. him in it. But, uh, once again, size of the part has no relevance to mesmerizing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, and he was basically standing behind everybody else, so it's kind of hard to... Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, last week on Rage or Dare, Bryce and Jim were dared to see a film by our fabulous... Super awesome member Philip, in which Philip says, "The Red Maple Leaf. It is the absolute worst movie with the best cast I've ever seen." This week we get back on track. Well, Jim will be taking a trip with Bryce Town when he pulls his midnight meat train of terrifying rage. Let's first check in with Bryce to see if he sides with Philip or if Philip was just not Star Trek enough by the awesome cast of the Red Maple Leaf. Here we go. Here's where a lot of writing comes in handy. Here's where the writing comes in handy. The Red Maple Leaf is the 2016 movie from actor, director, and writer Frank D'Angelo. The interesting thing about Frank D'Angelo is that his acting credits are exclusively in movies that he has written and directed, except for one. I can only assume he had some compromising pictures of the producers to get that role, as he's one of the worst actors that I've ever seen. But if you thought his acting was bad, it only pales in comparison to his writing. And if you thought his writing was bad, wait until you see his directing abilities. (laughs) I am trying to fathom the reason that so many recognizable names among actors would associate themselves with this steaming pile of excrement. I suppose a payday is a payday, But could these actors really need the money that bad? James Caan, Chris Christopherson, Martin Landau. Martin Landau was actually the only thing I enjoyed in this. He's an Oscar-winning actor. 
Paul Sorvino, Mira Sorvino, Armand Asante. What are you doing, buddy? Robert Loggia, Eric Roberts, Daniel Baldwin. Okay, Daniel Baldwin. <laughs> okay, well, Daniel Baldwin. And you know what? It was kind of nice just to see Margot Kidder, but and Margot Kidder. I know. <laughs> Um, they must have all been pretty hard up to be in this crap fest. I mean, I, what is going on? The lighting was terrible in this. The pacing was brutal. The script was dumb. The acting, great actors, but they were all atrocious in it because this guy cannot make oh, a film. Oh, it was, and I've, I've giving, never seen. And he's given them dialogue that nobody could make seem either believable oh, yeah. or, I, I, this guy just makes me Chris angry. Christopherson, I thought. What is going on here? Even the music was awful. And what was that? That weird Star Spangled Banner slash Canadian National Anthem thing they did in the, in the closing credits. It was gross. It was so gross. I was just like, just stop. <laughs> this guy needs to stop. He needs to not make anything ever again. This was just, picture the worst t- made for TV movie that you've ever seen. And, but this was so much worse than that. It was... <laughs> I can't even... I, okay, I, can I, I ask you this question? Yes. It's very important that you answer this correctly. Yes. Because it could change the future of an actor. Yes. Is this movie worse than the life of David Gale? Could this now allow us to release... No. Okay. I'm just checking. Because this was pretty bad. But it was close. Okay. I think I'd actually have to watch The Life of David Gale I again. I might put that into your dear but, <laughs> but I really don't want to watch The Life of David Gale again. <laughs> well, so. maybe after you've seen this, you'll have a basis for comparison. Anyways, I guess to keep it you know, short and concise, this was an, un- an unwatchable rage, yet somehow I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> because I had to. Oh yes, you. This did. I can't believe how bad this was. Like, what did you think? Oh uh, well, let me start off with, uh, what the fuck is with the sound mix? That was my first impression. It's terrible. And then it went down. Like if you're like, thinking about the sound mix at the beginning, before you go on, didn't this just make you embarrassed to be a Canadian? The yes. Fact that this guy. Uh, I am going to talk about. That. Oh yeah, good, good. <laughs> Preach on, so, brother. So that was my first impression. And when you're coming out thinking the sound mix is terrible and you're two seconds into it, you're thinking this is not going to get any better. And of course it did. It went downhill from there. But my second thought was, was this shot on Super VHS? Because it sure seemed cheap and awful. But my third thought was, Philip, I, I thought I was in love with you for many years. And now I realized after seven minutes of this film that I think I'm starting to hate you. I was wondering as I watched this, I don't know how many of these huge stars were being blackmailed by something horrific like child pornography or human trafficking or perhaps satanic sacrifices to decide to appear in this movie. What does he have on them? The whole time I'm there thinking to myself, what exactly does he have? Why would these actors agree to this? I mean, as you pointed out, Martin fucking Landau is in this. And in my opinion, Martin Landau is probably one of the best actors of all times. And he was terrible in this film. As an FYI, this was his second last movie 
Mm. Martin Lando's movie so uh, before he died. Probably one of Margot Kidder's. It was Margot Kidder's also second last movie before her died. Also and sorry. Robert Logia's. It was his third last movie before he died. And Dan- Doris Roberts, it was her fourth last movie before she died. Is this a coincidence? I'm not saying it is, but isn't it a little suspicious? I mean, if Are you I made Frank a movie. Angelo killed all these people? If I made a so movie, I know them. I wish I was dead before anybody else got to see this movie. If you actually got to screen it. And fuck me, Frank D'Angelo wrote this, acted it, and directed it. Ugh. He is the absolute worst of all three of these, yet alone combined. I wonder if his set was like an Ed Wood take. Like, I'm just imagining as he's filming something. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm in the scene. Uh, so it's good. Let's just move on. This was truly painful in every scene from moment one. And every moment after moment one got worse. Like, if you, if anybody just goes off, like you, we had to pay three dollars to watch this on YouTube. And I'm thinking to myself, after the second minute, I was like, how could every minute actually get worse than the minute before? And it just kept doing it. It was so painful. The script seemed like it was written by someone with either severe mental disabilities or perhaps recently got out of a coma or maybe, I'm just spitballing here, but perhaps completely strung out on mescaline after a weekend of straight freebasing and dreaming up a script while in and out of consciousness. My favorite thing about this movie, though, was a different color curtain in every scene when they were inside trying to make us feel that they weren't on a soundstage, but in an actual different location, even though the sound was painfully awful. Not since The Room have I seen such terrible movie-making masturbation by someone's dream project that's so completely horrific. I tried to make this a drinking game after a while, thinking, oh, well, you know, if I take a drink every time something funny happened... But then nothing funny happened. It wasn't even it funny. Wasn't funny. That was it was a problem. Yes. So I didn't even get to do, drink anything. I had to just get drunk and watch it that way. And it still was painful to watch. Yeah. It was awful. It was, this was, um, it was so bad. I, and um, the music was so canned and stinky. Ugh. I thought I was listening to the Sardines, the musical. Philip? You give good rage, buddy. And this film, as a Canadian, makes me want to apologize on behalf of the whole country yes. for anyone who had to choose to watch this or had to watch it for any apparent reason. I'm sorry. I'm truly, truly sorry. Looks like we may have to add James Kahn, though, on the doubted list or at least discuss him next week because if you forget, he was also in Queen Bees. This, And I'm just... I pulled up his... His list and James Conn's been in a lot of stinkers. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's not surprising. I still like him. You can like him all you want. But he's, he's still making, picking some bad making, making movies. Bad movies, making bad movies. He's like did, ninety years old. Yeah, it was probably well. Well, I don't know how old he is. But here's a here's a question for you, Bryce. Did you notice in this movie? Yes. That they never really showed Frank D'Angelo with anybody. The editing that they well, showed. Oh, yeah, no, it was weird because then all of a sudden they'd be in, like, another location. And, and like, the, the stuff with Doris Roberts and Robert Loggia, what was that? All of a sudden you just see them in, like, they're just sitting in, like, easy chairs and, like, a door. Yeah. Like, well, and, then, did you see, and then the stuff with the president. It's like, like, they would edit. Like, yeah, it was like they weren't, like they they weren't with him. That, like, they didn't fly to Toronto to make this no. film. They, they literally, like, yeah, I they shot they, him. Yeah. They would shoot him. 
talking, doing the interview question, and then they would show Doris <laughs> and Frank, and they, you'd show like the back of her side of somebody's head. It was so And you awful. never saw them together. The only person you saw him with was Baldwin. There, it looked like they just spliced, like they took like a bunch of bad movies and spliced them together because not a lot of this made any sense either. No. Murray, you almost want to see this just to see how the worst movie, well, apparently the third worst movie ever made was built. Yeah, it's in the running. And I almost think we should rewatch. I kind of want to rewatch that stupid cat movie and your stupid movie. And well, see okay, when when we're really feeling like we need to to punish ourselves. <laughs> we'll watch we'll, the we'll, life of David. We'll Gale. watch life of David Gale. Your nine lives. We'll do it as a double feature. Uh, but we will never watch this one again. No, this movie will happen. never be watched again. But uh, we'll do a double feature. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll you and know. and I I don't want to say this aloud where people can hear this. Uh, but p- p- people, please do not go into Frank D'Angelo's cat. No. And dare us to see another one of these movies. Don't. We may not be able to survive it. <laughs> it was so bad. And, and I think Philip, actually, the reason Philip, I think, um, had dared us to see this, because yeah. I guess this guy submits for the film, like Philip's, like Murray and I, he previews for film festivals. Yeah. And I think this guy's movie, he always gets stuck to watch. So he's seen all of his oh, movies. Probably. Oh, oh buddy. Yes. Oh, well done, Philip. Well played. Yeah, Very get well the played. get the applause up there for Philip. There we go. Oh, baby. All right. Well, I feel I feel whatever I pull out of Bryce's bag this week isn't going to come close to that. Oh no, there's no way. This is your bag, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Your bag's kind of soft and mat- malleable. Feels kind of empty too. Oh yeah. yeah I'm going to have to put some stuff. in Kind of like the way the feel of this bag yours. It's not going to be as bad as the red maple leaf. I guarantee. Yeah. There's it. nothing that's going to be. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> I will be seeing... <laughs> what will you be seeing, Jim? I will be seeing Mr. Nanny. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> From 1993. Hey. <laughs> the Hulkster, I believe. It's a Hulk. I'm a Hulkamaniac, so I uh, may actually go. enjoy this. Who knows? Perfect. Who knows? I mean, who doesn't want to see CLFs and a wrestling guy? Exactly. If he doesn't tear his shirt off, I'm going to be really disappointed. Oh, they'll probably tear it off of him. Think the kids will tear it off? Of course. I think he wears a. He'll get in an accident of some kind, and then it'll just fall off. Let me know if he wears a tutu in it at some point. I think he. Does. Uh, I think in the commercials. I think, I think he wears an apron. I I've actually wears, seen this movie. Actually, no. I actually I do remember him wearing a tutu. I think he wears a because I think one of the gir- the girls is yeah. in the ballet or something. So exactly. he actually has to like perform with her or something. This but. kind of is um, reminding me a little bit of the movie we watched. Whatever it was, a week or so ago. With Tommy Lee Jones and the, except for instead of them being cheerleaders, actually, they're, they're from, actually from kids. what I understand, this is considered Hulk Hogan, Citizen Kane. Oh, you think so? <laughs> That's what I heard. As it was, as in it was the last good thing he ever did. <laughs> is, is it because we get to see a rosebud at the end of it? What's maybe? Uh, maybe? No. Only time will tell. Only time. I well, and I will, tell. I guess, yes. next week. Do tell. <laughs> Oh, this is the most fun I've had in a week. A week. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ragers, for listening. Some super, super rage love to our members, Julene from It Goes Down in the PM uh, podcast, James, and our main man, Philip, the winner of the Rage Dare Award. Yeah, he has given us the worst movie that anybody has ever given us. Yes, R- yeah. Philip. 
I take everything back. I love you more than you could ever imagine. Um, thanks to the extended film rights crew of Leonard Conlon, Bex Goose, Tony, and Nat for their artistic contributions to our show. You can find their homes on our show notes. Thanks to our sponsor, Canyon Meadow Cinemas. Please go and support your local independent theaters because they desperately need your help as we come out of COVID. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Rage YYC. Join us on Audia, A-U-D-E-A dot I-O and search Film Rage for bite-sized film reviews. Check out everything Film Rage at FilmRageYYC.com, including our merch site. And I think stuff is on sale right now, so go shopping for Christmas. We're always wanting to make this a raging blast for our listeners, so please comment, like, and subscribe and send us an email to FilmRageCalgary at gmail.com. Dare us to see terrible movies to fuel our rage. But no matter what you do, please make us a rage. Please, please. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.